Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current world events. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, Father Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. It is November the 15th, and on this day in 1777, after 16 months of debate, the Continental Congress, sitting in its temporary capital of York, Pennsylvania, agreed to adopt the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union. Not until March 1st, 1781, would the last of the 13 states, Maryland, ratify the agreement. In 1777, patriot leaders, stinging from the British oppression, were reluctant to establish any form of government that might infringe on the right of individual states to govern their own affairs. The Articles of Confederation then provided only a loose federation of American states. Congress was a single house with each state having one vote and a president elected to chair the assembly. Although Congress did not have the right to levy taxes, it did have the authority over foreign affairs and could regulate a national army and declare war and peace. Amendments to the Articles required approval from all 13 states. On March 2, 1781, following final ratification by the 13th state, the Articles of Confederation became the law of the land. Less than five years after the ratification of the Articles of Confederation, enough leading Americans decided that the system was inadequate to the task of governance and that they peacefully overthrew their second government in just over 20 years. The difference between a collection of sovereign states forming a confederation and a federal government created by a sovereign people lay at the heart of the debate as the new American people decided what form their new government would take. In 1787, an extra-legal body met in seclusion during the Philadelphia summer heat to create the new government. On March the 4th, 1789, the modern United States was established when the U.S. Constitution formally replaced the Articles of Confederation. Between 1776 and 1789, America went from living under a sovereign king to living in a sovereign state to becoming a sovereign people. That transformation defined the American Revolution. And by the way, again, it was all done in a peaceful way, except for, of course, eliminating the British uh, rule during the American Revolution. On November the 12th, the White House COVID advisor, Anthony Fauci, went on the New York Times podcast, The Daily, to discuss the current state of coronavirus in the United States. According to Fauci, Officials are now starting to see some waning immunity against both infection and hospitalization several months after initial vaccination. The infectious disease expert, pointed, self-proclaimed, uh, pointed towards incoming data from Israel, which he noted tends to be about a month and a half ahead of the terms of the, of the outbreak. They, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalization and to some extent death which is starting to make involve all age groups, said Fauci. It isn't just the elderly. It's waning to the point that uh, you're seeing more and more people getting breakthrough infections and more and more of those 
people who are getting breakthrough infections are winding up in the hospital. As a result of these findings, Fauci warned that vaccinated people should get their booster shot, as it might actually be more important than health officials first realized. If one looks back at this, one can say, do you know it isn't as if the booster is a bonus, but a booster might actually be the essential part of the primary regimen that people should have, he said on the daily. In other words, folks, the vaccine didn't work, but as Fauci claims, but more of it might do the trick. <laughs> the definition of insanity, do the same thing over and over again and expect, uh, expect a different result. Well, the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has blocked Democrat President Joe Biden's coronavirus vaccine mandate in a ruling late on Friday calling it staggeringly overboard. The three-judge panel in New Orleans ruled that Biden's mandate grossly exceeded OSHA's statutory authority, writing that rather than a delicately handled scalpel, the mandate is a one-size-fits-all sledgehammer that makes hardly any attempt to account for differences in workplaces and workers and have more than a little bearing on workers' varying degrees of susceptibility to supposedly grave danger the mandate purports to address. These judges, uh, their Engelbart, uh, Jones, and Duncan, said the mandate imposed financial burdens on businesses that could potentially violate the Constitution, writing, the mandate imposes a financial burden upon them by deputizing their participation in OSHA's regulatory scheme exposes them to severe financial risk if they refuse or fail to comply and threatens to decimate their workforces and business prospects by forcing unwilling employees to take their shots, take their tests, or hit the road. The court stayed the mandate in a ruling last Saturday, writing that there were potentially grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. White House Deputy uh, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre responded to the ruling on Muddy by saying that the uh, Biden's administration message is to businesses that fall under the mandate is that they should not wait to implement the measure. Immediately following release of Biden's vaccine mandate, the Daily Wire was the first major company to file a lawsuit against the Biden administration, as that company noted in a report on Thursday. The lawsuit does not take a position on whether someone should receive the vaccine or not, only against Biden's mandate against earlier this year. Unveiled on Thursday morning, the mandate applies to all companies with 100 or more employees and forces their businesses to police their vaccine status of their employees. The Daily Wire, with over 100 employees, fails, falls under this mandate. The Daily Wire uh, lawsuit seeks to overturn Biden's executive action, arguing that the order is unconstitutional and that the Biden administration violated federal law in drafting it. I certainly agree with that. Uh, Jeremy Boring is the co-founder of the uh, co-CEO of the Daily Wire. Said this: "We're not the enforcement arm of the federal government. Forcing Americans to choose between their livelihoods and their freedom is a grotesque abuse of power, and we won't be a party to it." He said, "We're not. Uh, we'll not incur the cost of implementing this testing regime. We will not incur the liability of inserting ourselves in the private health decisions and information of our employees. Our company was founded to stand against tyranny." And we will, he said. That's just one example. Apparently, there's 27 lawsuits out there right now against uh, this mandate. And by the way, following this decision by the court, uh, the uh, DOJ will vigorously defend the OSHA guidelines in the court. The appeals court granted an emergency stay on the order, effectively blocked them from going into effect. 
Biden administration argues that the court's decision could cost dozens or even hundreds of lives per day with reopening of workplaces and the emergence of high transmittable Delta variant. The threat to workers is ongoing and overwhelming, lawyers representing the Biden administration argued. The argument failed to sway the court, of course, with uh, Judge Kurt Engelhardt stating that the concern over ec- economic and uncertainty and opposition to the mandate outweighed the concerns raised by the Biden administration. Thank you, judges. Good decision. The public interest is also served by maintaining our constitutional structure and maintaining the liberty of individuals to make intensely personal decisions according to their own convictions, even if perhaps particularly when these decisions frustrate government officials, he wrote. This is just a great decision. Really appreciate that. Again, 27 courts have filed charges to block the federal vaccine mandate with support from states like Texas and numerous private businesses and individuals whose livelihoods will be affected by the mandate. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has admitted that uh, labor force participation is quite depressed compared to pre-pandemic levels, blaming COVID-19 for the issue. U.S. economy has sought to rebound as, as widespread access to vaccinations and adjustments to labor practices should allow for Americans to get back to work. However, a lack of labor supply has exacerbated the continuing supply chain crisis. She makes no mention of the fact that people are vaccine-hesitant and perhaps want to make their own decisions. This, uh, this, of course, is all induced by the Biden administration, in my opinion. Had they not uh, implemented this mandate through OSHA, I think more and more people would be willing to go to work. Uh, by the way, I want to mention this before we go to break. Uh, there's something going on behind the scenes at the uh, White House right now. Jen Psaki issued this statement on Twitter. For anyone who needs to hear it, the VP is not only a vital partner to POTUS, President of the United States, but a bold leader who has taken on key important challenges facing the country, from voting rights to addressing root causes of mitigation uh, to expanding broadband. Well, if you say so, Jen Psaki, she hasn't done anything, quite frankly. But I think this is evidence of the fact that uh, CNN yesterday came out with a state that said that the White House is in disarray and that uh, right now there's a, a big turmoil between what's happening with uh, the vice president and the president's office. Apparently this is all happening in the White House. So Jen Psaki sending out an email saying, all is well on the Western Front here in the White House. Don't worry about us. She's doing important work. I don't think, uh, I'm not buying it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's a co-founder, of the, or rather I should say he's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more. Right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service. Fabulous food and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music 
and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care? If they have a need, we are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written many books mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, good for kids of all ages. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. And, you know, uh, for all these years, we've been talking about current global events, and there's a lot happening around the world. Let's start off with what's going on in Miramar. Okay, so an American journalist, uh, first, you know, I think his name is, was sentenced yesterday or the day before to 11 years in jail for reporting on what's going on there. He was released this morning, and I think he's even back in the United States. Wow. That's how quickly. So the, so they made a big point. They, they sentenced him to 11 years, and then they released him. But what's troubling, I mean, besides the in individual cases, there's this pattern that's going on in the world of seizing people for, for all sorts of diplomatic or other other necessity, other you know usages. The, mm-hmm. the Chinese um, seized two Canadians, businessmen, because the Chinese, because the Canadians had uh, uh, respected an American um, arrest warrant and arrested the um, the vice chairman or whatever of um, of Huawei, and so she was being held under arrest. So they were, they um, 
held two Canadian businessmen with nothing to do with it. They've been subsequently released as well as this woman's uh, deputy head of the company. Um, we have a case right now where Turkey seized two Israeli tourists claiming they had photographed the palace of Erdogan. They were on a tourist boat, and the, the, and the palace is one of the obvious sites, obviously. Mm. So they've been arrested. They've been held in jail now for five days for for photographing the palace. Not clear what the Turks want, but clearly it's not a good thing. Uh, the Russians, uh, about right before COVID, I guess this was, they seized an American Israeli who was a transiting young woman who was transiting through Moscow and held her in claiming she was, had some hashish on her, but she didn't enter the country. She was literally a transit passenger and held her in jail for six months until Israel agreed to give the Russians title to some church property in Jerusalem. Hmm. Um, and so it goes. There's an American being, American ex-Marine being held by the Russians, but uh, for theoretically spying, he has nothing to do with spying, um, and he's being held as ransom for something or another. Hey, you know, the, the, so, name, the, the name escapes me right now, but the, the country that's associated with Iran where the... Uh, uh, there was, uh, and I forgot the name of the, of the country, but they... they uh, oh, the, the Yemen. Yemen, yeah, they're, they're holding... Uh, as I recall, I think they're holding local local workers of the U.S. embassy. I'm, yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they, I don't think we have any actual embassy people on the ground there anymore. Uh, um, so, uh, other instance, just, though, yeah. So, but it's it, it's a um, it's really a plague at this point, mm-hmm. and I think people need to be very careful where they travel in the world if they don't want to be be used as pawns, innocent pawns. These are people. None of the people seized had anything to do with anything. Not like they seized, you know, actual spies or diplomatic people or anything else. They seized individuals and use them as bargaining chips. Yeah, are, are they asking for ransom? Are they? Is there a pattern of asking for ransoms? Not money ransoms. It's more, you know, political ransoms. Mm-hmm. So these are not these are governments that are doing it. It's not. Um, it's not kidnappers who do those things. Anyway, that's a different story altogether. Obviously. Yeah. But these are governments who are doing it, and they're doing it for political leverage of one kind or another. What does Myanmar have so, to get out of all this? I mean, why did what do you, what do you see as the motivation here? Myanmar, I think their motivation was to scare any journalists from coming to 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 try to cover the country. Frankly, mm-hmm. I mean, are you going to go to the country and risk that? Frankly, I mean, you got to be really uh, very brave to say the least, or foolish. Um, and so I think that was that was their goal. Uh, I got look. You. I you know, generally speaking, I would not travel at this point in the world to any country that we that you wouldn't define as a Democracy with normal court systems. Well, the, the, and the problem is that right now you have things that are happening in civil countries like the UK and the bombing there. Uh, f- right, that's a different story. You know, that we was going to get to that in a minute, but that, that's a whole other story. I'm, that's not the government doing it. Yeah. Right. So we need to. I separate out, you know, terrorism, which is a different thing one has to be worried about, mm-hmm. from government sanction to government action to, against individuals who come visit some form or another. Oh, then let's let's move to Russia and the Ukraine and what's going on there. Okay, so Russia has massed a large number of troops on the border. They claim it's just for some sort of maneuver, but so did a lot of other countries right before they invaded. Mm-hmm. And there is growing alarm that Russia might just do it, might just invade Ukraine, um, and figure they'll get away with it. And so therein lies the problem. The um, head of NATO warned today that this is a real possibility. Um, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, um, but various countries have 
pledge to, to aid it. Look, Putin will go as far as he possibly thinks he can go that won't cause him too much pain. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think he may think that he can invade Ukraine. I so, don't know, uh, but it's something that everyone is worried about at this point. Uh, uh, I saw a U.S. congressman, I think it was on the Tucker Carlson show, for us sending advisors, political advisors, to the Ukraine to uh, force support. Of course, this is how we got into Vietnam and, <laughs> and these other uh, uh, problems that we had across the world. So what's our involvement in that? Well, look, we're supporting them with arms at this point. Um, you know, by on some level, if we send troops in, that would also, you know, be a trigger for the Russians saying, look, America's sending troops right on our borders. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's a two-edged sword. You know, it goes back to, you know, the same question with Taiwan, right? At what point are we willing to risk war mm-hmm. for what clearly the interest of freedom and, and Taiwan, you know, our national interest? Certainly, an unnatural interest for Ukraine not to become, not to be invaded and conquered by Russia. On the other hand, are we ready to go to war? Hmm. I'm asking that question, and I know you don't have the answer, and most people don't have that answer. But understand the fact that that's the risk that exists. So Ukraine's a separate and independent country, but once was part of the USSR. Uh, could one make the case that perhaps those? I think a lot of the people in Ukraine are Russian by origin, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, can one make the case that perhaps this is the natural occurrence that should, you know, will ne- that, inevitably... That was what Germany did before World War II, all the areas that there were Germans living in. Yeah, yeah. No, the answer is no. You can't make that case. All those countries are independent countries. They once were you independent countries. They were conquered by Russia at various points in Russian history. Ukrainians and Russians are not the same, not in any which way. Mm. They speak a different language. They have a separate history. Um, yes, there's some Russians living in Ukraine, but the overwhelming majority of Ukrainians are people live in Ukraine are Ukrainian origin. So no, I mean you know that is exactly and specifically what Hitler did before he started. You know that was what he did in Czechoslovakia, the Sudetenland. Mm-hmm. That's what he claimed for Danzig and parts of Poland. Um, that was you know his first bunch of steps. Mm. Not that I'm saying Putin is Hitler, but you know it's not a valid argument either. Look, either we say, either we accept the fact that there's international law, there are international boundaries, that the boundaries are respected, and um, and if we start not doing that, we're we're worse than a slippery slope. We've we've headed into hell, frankly. It's kind of what's happening on our southern border. In the future, yeah, it's kind of what's happening on our southern border. Also, though, I mean, uh, <laughs> no, that, let's no, let's separate the two out. No, no, that's not the same thing. Remember the difference. Look, the southern border. You know, whatever the facts may be, those are people, refugees, and we have this problem with Belarus, too, but we can get to that in a minute. These are refugees or people seeking work or hungry people, whatever you want to define it. Yeah. They're trying to enter the United States. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, but it's not a national It's not a national state actor who's trying to say, we're going to come and we're going to, we're going to take New Mexico and part of Texas and... Um, Oh, maybe Southern California, they were once part of Mexico. We're going to send our troops in and say, we're, we're taking those areas back. Yeah, good point. Uh, you're right. Those, that's government operation and not, uh, not the, the individuals that are coming here for sure. So, uh, right. we, so need keep, we, we need to keep those things in mind. You know, whatever, however bad the situation on the border, those are individuals who, who for whatever reason, want to come to America. Now, good, bad, or indifferent, that's what they are. Yeah. 
and they're very different. You know, they they want to get in and be part. Well, yeah. we want them, and that's a different issue. But they want to be part. They're not trying to take over, you know, and say America should be part of something else. Okay. The other side of this, though, is I'm hearing you say that you're reluctant to say that we should be supporting and defending Ukraine. No, I think we we should be supporting Ukraine without a shadow of a doubt. We should be sending them arms without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. I again, I, I am reluctant. I, you know, we need to make the Russians think we'll come defend Ukraine, but I'm sort of, I, I don't know what to say on that in that in that matter. It's, you know, I don't know. It's it's not my children that will die in the battlefield of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So I'm reluctant to say that's what we should do. Um, on the other hand, if the Russians don't think we're going to do it, it's more likely they're going to attack. It's what, you know, again, what, what we discussed last week about Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the best deterrent of an attack is the Russians to believe the United States will go to war on behalf of Ukraine. But if we decide to do that, we got to be ready to, do, to actually do that. What about uh, Ukraine becoming a member of uh, NATO? It's been played with. It's probably ultimately a good idea, but it probably would not be a the best move at the at the moment, because again, if they become a member of NATO, then we've we've then just said that we will come to their defense. Come what may, mm-hmm. remember that's what NATO is all about. Yeah. If we don't come to the defense of Ukraine, if they become a member of NATO, we don't come to the defense of Ukraine if they're attacked by Russia. Then NATO is over. On the other so, hand, just in, uh, I'm, not, I'm not taking a position one way or the other, but in, in defense of that uh, position, it's a one way of saying to Russia, look, don't mess with Ukraine because we're serious about this. I agree, 100%. But again, you, you know, it's, look, when you call someone's cards in poker, mm-hmm. you need to be willing to, to risk actually losing, right? Right. So that's, that's what this is all about. Think of it as a big poker game. And just understand what the stakes are, and again, people should understand that you know throwing away, you know, throwing around terms we should do, we shouldn't do is easy, but this is dead serious, and it's a dead serious game of poker, and you know the cards on the table are American and Ukrainian lives. Yeah. Okay, Mark. Let's let's then talk about. I brought up the uh, UK bombing, and uh... right, the so UK bombing. It turns out to be, it was, looks like an Islamic terrorist who, all I can gather at this point, his bomb accidentally went off while he was in a cab. His target, his target, I mean, it's very hard to believe his target was to blow up the cab, right? Um, so I, I had read the, his the, the story. His bomb went off while he was in a cab on the way somewhere in Liverpool. Yeah. This follows the killing of a, um, of a UK member of parliament um, by an Islamic terrorist, um, because this member of parliament supposedly was was pro-Israel in some form or another, you know, whatever that supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, assassinated. This was about, I think, about six weeks ago. Um, so you know, Britain is back to the problem it's had over the over the last couple of years, on and off, with mostly homegrown um, second generation immigrants. Most of them are who've become radicalized, mm-hmm. um, and um, they're, you know, they've been doing bombings. You know, it's an interesting question that um, sociologists will have to answer: is you know, why, why in England and France, particularly, do the homegrown um, Muslim generation, second generation, become radicalized, while by and large, it's never happened in the United States. So, Yet, so uh, 
What's what's interesting about the, the the news stories that I looked at said that this was definitely a suicide bomber. So you, you're uh, saying there's some additional information now. It looks like it, it was set off as an accident. Right. Not not that he wasn't a, okay. Not that he wasn't a suicide bomber, but it's very hard to believe you're a suicide bomber to blow up a taxi cab. Right. Is that all that? Blew, right. uh, what is that? The only uh, casualty? Basically, yes. Uh, I okay. So you know, you if you if you're a suicide bomber, you want to kill lots of people. The image in my mind is the guy saying, oh, don't touch that <laughs> to the yep. cab driver. Oh, my goodness. Well, that, that is such an interesting story. We'll have to uh, stay on top of that. But, again, uh, this also raises the concern about additional uh, attempts at uh, suicide bombing and uh, terrorism, not only in the U.K., but around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it hasn't gone away. We've just been a little bit quiet, over, overwhelmed by COVID, I guess, like everything else in, in our lives. Let's move to Belarus. The Belarus is playing this game. Uh, they were literally flying in refugees uh, from all parts of mostly the Arab world, some other places as well. They got airlines to fly them into Belarus, and then they send them to the borders with Poland primarily, with the goal of breaking into Poland. Once you got into Poland, you get into the UK, obviously. I mean, the EU. Mm-hmm. And they're using thousands and thousands of, of um, of migrants were basically sitting on the Polish border attempting to get through, and the Poles obviously won't let them in um, because, A, A, once they're in Belarus, there's no, no reason why they can't just stay in Belarus, in terms of refugee status, by the way. The way refugee status works, once they're in Belarus, they can just stay in Belarus. Why do they have to go to, into Poland, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, B, no one you know wants these thousands and tens of thousands of refugees that are un, undocumented and, un, uh, you know, and not any which way um, vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what Belarus is trying to do as a um, as a threat uh, for the sanctions that the EU is putting on Belarus for all the terrible things the Belarus government is doing. Now, Belarus has also threatened one of the uh, Russian gas pipelines that provides gas to parts of Western Europe transits Belarus, and they threatened to cut off the gas. And of course, as we know, there's an energy shortage all over the world, so that's a real threat. But that was one step too far for, for President Putin. And he clearly said yesterday that it's certainly within the sovereign rights of Belarus to cut off the, the pipeline. But if they do, they'll be risking our friendship because we made a, you know, we have an agreement to, to, to provide gas and we don't want you getting in the middle of that agreement. Let's put it that way. If, if anyone's going to cut the gas, it's going to be us and when we want to, not some... Tin pot dictator is basically what said, said the tin pot dictator. <laughs> it's yeah, Putin's not a tin pot. He's a dictator. It's not a tin pot. Yeah. So Belarusian guy is a tin pot dictator. Then Putin is a serious dictator. So uh, then, facilitating uh, illegal immigration is an act of aggression, political act, uh, aggression on the part of Belarus. Absolutely. I mean, it's more than. I mean, literally, he's flying in people. To the, to the Belarus airports mm-hmm. and then sending them to the border to try to get into Poland. Now, um, this is slowing down because basically the EU has basically said that any airline that is used to fly in uh, refugees this way uh, will be sanctioned and will not be able to fly into the EU. Mm. So every airline has basically in the last three or four days has said, no, we're not, take, we're not flying anymore because obviously the Overall, the EU market is more important than Belarus. Interesting. 
Before I let you go, I, I do want to get your uh, feedback on what's happening in Europe. We're seeing uh, the uh, strain of uh, Delta variant and so forth in the United States, We're seeing a reduction in hospitalizations and of cases, but apparently things are kind of running wild in Europe. Uh, any comments? Yeah, absolutely. So Europe, particularly those countries that vaccinated early, um, have a problem because uh, as, uh, as was learned in Israel, the, the vaccine begins to wear off. That's part of the problem. There's also, uh, especially in Eastern Europe, a much more level of, of vaccine hesitancy, and to some extent in some of the German countries. So uh, the v vaccination rates are lower than the United States, and they have not started a booster program in any of those countries yet. So the numbers are, 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 very, are very high, unfortunately. Um, and it's gotten to the point where Austria has now put a curfew on anyone who's not vaccinated. They're not allowed to, to, to do anything if they're not vaccinated. The reason is that 90% of the cases in the hospitals are unvaccinated, and the hospitals are now are overwhelmed in Austria and aren't able to take care of regular patients because there's so many COVID cases, and all the COVID, almost all the COVID cases are people who, who have been unvaccinated. So they basically put these people under house, almost house arrest, almost. Yeah, if you're no. not vaccinated, you can't do anything. You can't leave your house, and if there's a report that you've left your house, and uh, you could be arrested, it sounds like. Right. So. It's, it's quite extreme and not highly recommended, but the recommended thing is to you know, get people vaccinated. That's the bottom line. It's the only way this, this nightmare ends. Um, I, and, I saw, a, um, I saw a, clever, a clever post on uh, Twitter. Some people wouldn't know tyranny if it covered their faces, locked them in their homes enacted the biggest wealth transfer in history, censored them, made them uh, show papers, and forced medicated them. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty good description of what's happening right now around the world. Yeah, listen, um, but let's put it this way. Um, the, world, the modern world never, never faced a pandemic before. In other words, the 1917 flu pandemic yeah. took place in the midst of World War I, and, it was almost, and not that it wasn't noticed, obviously, but there was so much change taking place at the same time. Um, this has hit the modern world, and the world isn't, doesn't quite know how to react, let's put it that way. I would say not. And uh, certainly there's been extremes, and I'm just really pleased to uh, close with, with this notion that uh, right now our governor seems to have made some great decisions so far, and it's certainly worked out well so far in the state of Florida. So we're grateful for that, keeping the economy open and keeping people healthy. Well, it helps that most of the elderly people vaccinated. Yeah. Mark Schulman, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I encourage you to visit the website, very robust website, multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your very well-informed commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob, you and your listeners. You as well. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and uh president of less government we're going to do that and more right here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network stay tuned for more of the bob harden show here on the bob harden broadcasting network Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. 
Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app from the uh, website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. Right now, we have the Seat Motley. Seaton is the founder and publisher, I should say, and CEO of Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. I also uh, do the, the uh, janitorial work. <laughs> You're kind of a one-man show, just like me, Seton. Tell us, yes. t- tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and I do have some assistance, but <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's largely a one-man show. Yes. Yeah, it's the best way to do it. So, uh, Seton, I just want to get your thoughts on what's happening in the White House right now. CEN ran a story said that there's. Uh, a lot of conflict in the White House right now, and there's a falling out between Kamala and the president. And uh, then uh, Jim Psaki last night at 9 o'clock at night sent out an email, or a, a text, I should say, saying that things are fine and that Kamala is doing really important work at the border and with, uh, with uh, at the Internet <laughs> and broadband. So uh, trying to cover, kind of cover the wounds of what's going on there. I just want to get your thoughts on what's happening. Well... My theory from the beginning of his, when the, when the Democrat Party left, folded up their tents and got behind Biden, I was thinking two things, well, a couple of things, a few things. One was they cut a deal. Biden is obviously addled mentally, mm-hmm. and he's not going to be making any decisions. He would, historically, he was not this radical. Right. Which is why he got elected, by the way. The whole point of electing Biden was to settle everything down after the Trump years. And part of settling that down was not, not rousing the left by 
electing somebody like Biden, who's so old, he has ties back to the Democrat Party when they weren't insane. But in exchange for getting behind him and his addled brain, they'd run the show when they when Biden won if Biden won the White House. Yeah. So they've been running the show since Biden won the White House. And the other caveat was Kamala Harris at some point because he's addled. He'd come out and announce, and he remember he said that once. I'll come up with some disease, and, and Kamala will take over. Yes, if we I do. Agree on something. Yep. Um, and and so at some point they'll claim that he's he's no longer functioning and capable because I think Kamala was Obama's choice as the VP, and and uh, and so they'd pull the plug on Biden uh, politically and install Harris. Well. They ran into a problem. Harris's poll numbers are worse than Biden. <laughs> yes, they are. So they, you know, the the, the 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 point was to have adult Biden be the icebreaker on all these progressive policies, take all the political hits for it, all the all the bad poll numbers, all the falling poll numbers, and then pull the plug on him and put in Harris. Yep, I and try to salvage twenty twenty four. I cr- well, they can't do that now because her numbers are worse than Biden. I know. Although this, the strategy would be, I mean, he basically could, uh, once he leaves, and I thought it might be uh, they just throw him under the bus. I, would, I didn't think about him just resigning. Could happen that way. But uh, the whole notion is the Democrat Party then could claim it. Well, he's the problem. He's the one that caused all this turmoil. Uh, we're now, well, the, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he takes. He takes all the political hits for doing all this craziness, right? And then you know may, maybe they when when, it's, when Harris is installed, they pump the brakes and and you know and and coast into twenty twenty four and then really go nuts if they win again. <laughs> but the, you know they've run into several problems. One, Harris's poll numbers are worse than Biden's. Two, they can't get what they want done in Congress, right? Well, as they I were supposed to be done with this three and a half trillion dollar thing months ago. I understand she's and even, they can't get it done. Yeah, so, she, she, she's even more but, radical as I as I understand it than uh, than Bernie Sanders. Apparently, she's an outright communist, is what I understand. Who Harris? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, according to Willie Brown, who would know uh-huh. of the former mayor of San Francisco, who. Kamala Harris started her political career by having an affair with him. Uh-huh. Um, he, he said, remember, he said she's Peter principled as, as a senator. She's already exceeded her skills. Right. Don't make her vice president. He said this. Um, according to him, she's not really an ideologue. To the extent that she is, yes, I would agree, she's a communist. But she's a... What do I need to say to advance myself, person? Even better said. I agree with that. I mean, she she basically uh, stands for nothing. She stands she's, for she stands for whatever advances her in the Democrat Party. Yeah. And thank God, there's still some vestiges of, of an ideological requirement in the Republican Party, so she couldn't do what she's doing in the Republican Party. Plus, of course, she's from California, and there is no functioning Republican Party. <laughs> no, yeah. she's first and foremost about her and advancing her. Um, so then, so I think they, they, that's why Obama wanted her. She's malleable. And when she got in the White House after Biden had broken, you know, been the icebreaker on so much of this stuff, they'd tell her, okay, chill out until 2024. 
because we got to get we got to we got to have a chance of winning again, and then it'll be and then depending upon when she comes in, because remember, if she comes in with less than two years left in Biden's term, she can run for two terms. Yeah. Uh, herself uh, after succeeding Biden, um, but they you know the, the, I think that that was the runs the show. Biden is the is the fig, the figurehead, the token. Uh, his poll numbers get crushed as their stupid policies do what stupid policies do, and then they pull the plug and install Harris. And I think the two main impediments to this plan now are they couldn't get even the initial bill passed, and two, Biden uh, Harris is polling even worse than than Biden. I think that's great commentary, Seaton. Just out of curiosity, they're they're doubling down now and say they want to pass this uh, quote unquote human infrastructure bill or. The uh, social policy. You know, I'm going to write about this today. I'm going to say, if this were Republicans futzing around with legislation for this long, the zeitgeist, the media would be saying, "Would you please bury this dead horse that you're beating? Yeah, and move on to other stuff. Yeah, you know, there's stuff that needs to be done in this country, and we're entirely myopically fixated on one bill that you seemingly can't get passed with only Democrats. Yeah." So, please, can we just bury this stinking carcass and move on to, you know, there's, there's stuff that needs to be done that can be done that's bipartisan. Yeah. Privacy legislation on the Internet is very important. There isn't any right now, which is why Google and Facebook and Twitter make trillions of dollars, because there's no regulations on what they do with the data they collect on us. Uh, we need something in place, please. Um, there's bipartisan support for that for different reasons, but there's still bipartisan support. Um, let's, uh, here's a thought. Let's bury the stinking carcass of build back better and try to do, you know, small ball stuff. I remember on West Wing, uh, the, the president got polling that like 82% of people approved of fixing potholes. And he goes, well, hell, if they want the small ball stuff, I could do that all day. Um, you know, privacy isn't small ball stuff. It's just stuff that can actually get passed yeah. in, this, in this divided Congress. And we should work on stuff that could actually get passed in this divided Congress. Yeah, no, great point. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the website, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Also on Facebook, you can visit Less Government. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, he, he gently and, and kind, not nicely, kiddingly, chastised me for not having a piece. He just helped me write it, so thank you. <laughs> My pleasure, Seton. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. 
Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Tickets are on sale right now, and uh, if you haven't been to performance, you're missing something. you got to definitely go to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, as I mentioned before the break. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and is the author of a couple of great murder mysteries. I really encourage you, if you want to about a couple of great Christmas gifts, the book Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Bob. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. So uh, right now, at least my perception, we're seeing the president's popularity diminish on all fronts. What do you think? Yeah, I was uh, doing a deep dive on the Washington Post poll that came out this weekend, which showed that uh, Biden's popularity is at 41%. It's, I mean, it continues to sink. That's an abysmal number. Uh, and the poll, you know, the sample size is only about 1,000 people, mm-hmm. yet the reverberations are being felt throughout the White House, and the evidence is uh, CNN had a story this weekend uh, that you know emanated from the White House uh, saying that the Biden wants to get rid of Kamala Harris, yeah. you know, blaming, blaming her for a lot of his unpopularity. So, so uh, uh, that, that is a repercussion that shows that the Biden White House is in panic. Um, the interesting thing about this poll uh, I just dismiss, uh, the, the, you know, the Republican numbers are pretty steady. You know, Republicans yeah. do not like Biden. Uh, but the really interesting thing about the poll is that uh, Democrats themselves are turning against uh, Biden in a big way. They're not, you know, they're just totally unsatisfied uh, with his um, legislative uh, accomplishments so far. Uh, they think he's out of touch. Mm-hmm. And... 
they also uh, think uh, uh, independents who, who tend to lean Republican. You know, that's a secret Democrats don't want you to know. Uh, the independents at swing elections tend to lean Republican. They are leaning so far Republican, they might as well be Republican. Yeah. You know, uh, last night, uh, Jim, uh, 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 Jim Psaki, I, I covered this earlier in the show, so I'll just mention it to you and get your feedback. But uh, she sent out a tweet last night at about 9 o'clock at night saying, hey, look, Kamala Harris is, uh, Harris is doing a great job. She's helping us with immigration, and she's covering things like uh, election integrity. And my goodness, look what she's doing with the Internet and broadband uh, uh, availability. She's uh, doing a great job as vice president. Why would the White House, why would Jim Psaki send something like that out at 9 o'clock following the episode and, and what the CNN covered in, in the show? Yeah, because CNN actually attributes sources to White House staffers. So, um, you know, maybe it indicates that there's a, a civil war uh, among Biden's staff that, mm-hmm. that uh, not even they are uh, walking lockstep. Huh. But the, uh, uh, you know, generally in a midterm election, people, it's sort of like the seven-year itch, only, you know, it's a two-year itch. People get tired of their existing Congress people, and they want to go window shopping for somebody new. So this poll indicates, you know, it's, it's, it's the same. People, people would like to see a change in Congress. Uh, people think uh, that both parties are out of touch, uh, but... <laughs> the Republicans are less out of touch in previous polls uh, than in previous po- polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Democrats, are, according to the poll, are more out of touch. Another key finding, you know, um, uh, Republicans are more popular in this midterm election than they have been at any time in this new century. Really? So, so, so uh, that's a wake-up call for the White House. Now, uh, one thing I didn't understand, and I may be repeating myself, the the poll says that the people fear that uh, Biden will expand the reach of the federal government. (laughs) But at the same time, it says the people who support his infrastructure plan and this Build Back America uh, plan, which I consider an outrage. Well, he said, Jim, but the wording of the thing, as I understand it, maybe I'm thinking of a different poll, but he said, uh, do you support more uh, improving our bridges and roads. and I mean, it basically asked a question like any fool would say, yes, of course I support that. But uh, I th- there's a lot more to I think uh, the infrastructure plan bill that was passed is about 11% taking care of stuff like that. The rest of it is all Green New Deal stuff and junk that really uh, doesn't help the uh, infrastructure. Yeah, my theory is that the people, that the mask mandates, whether people are vaxxers or anti-vaxxers, uh, People tend to be anti-mandate, and my right. theory is that uh, they see that as an expansion of uh, federal overreach, uh, and that's what they're reacting to. Right. Uh, and another thing I noticed, you know, when you look at the Biden's precipitous decline, uh, there are other things that Americans are concerned about that, that were not touched upon in this poll. There were no questions in the poll about China and the threat of China to the West and Taiwan and the American response. Uh, there were no questions about the immigrants crashing our border. Mm-hmm. In fact, there were no immigration questions at all. Huh. And there were no crime questions, which, which is outrageous because 
you know, go on the Internet and visit the news sites in every major city in the U.S. And the headlines are about shootings over the weekend. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the Wild West in Philadelphia, New York, Chicago. I mean, bullets are flying everywhere. Yeah. So, these are, so people are worried about law and order, immigration, and foreign affairs. And, and, uh, well, so how, how about, Jim, how about inflation? Did, did, was that in the survey? Oh, oh, yeah, that is in the survey, and, and uh, uh, Biden gets, squarely gets the blame for inflation. Yeah. So, again, the public realizes there's a connection between his policies, his, his spending proposals, and you know, his aid packages, and inflation. Um, and he takes so, none of the blame for any of it. It's all, it's all somebody else's fault. In other words, he's got policies in place that make the cost of energy go up and cause inflation, and you can go right through the list. But the, he says, well, basically, I have nothing to do with that. I, I have no control over it, which I think for most people, it raises real suspicions about his capability. Yes, you, you've, you've raised another point. There were no questions about energy, and that's where Americans most feel the pinch of inflation. I know it's where I most feel the pinch is when I go to the, uh, the gas station and sure. fill up my car, and then I go from the gas station to the grocery store, and I look at the uh, cash register receipt for like the five things I bought, and it's tw 20 bucks for something that used yeah. to cost half that. Yeah. No, I know, Jim. It's, 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 it's uh, right now, and again, uh, there is no defense for what he's done. I mean, you'd think that he, somehow, some way, he'd be doing something good for the American people. What he does, he takes all the stuff that he's done, which is bad for us. He says, hey, it's good for you. Don't believe your lion eyes. <laughs> this is all good stuff. And, of course, it's not. Well, um, he's become a parody. And and so in his defense, they're trying to make Kamala Harris look like the parody. Like she's our she's our problem. Uh, she's she's the uh, poster child for 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 mock you know comedians and, and mockery. Yeah. So we'll get rid of her. And 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 one rumor is that they're considering putting her on the Supreme Court. Can can you imagine <laughs> someone less qualified for the Supreme Court than Kamala Harris? She'd create turmoil there as well. Jim McTagg, again, uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. I really recommend two great books, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. It's a really great interview. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Byron Donalds, our U.S. representative in Congress. Uh, he'll be uh, looking forward to talking with him about everything that's going on on Capitol Hill. Boo Mordson, uh, former, she is, uh, well, she's just such an interesting person, but always entertaining interviews. And my wife, Linda, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>